You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 25 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and we have a special episode for you today because... Four of us are sat around the table today to do a crossover episode with Amber Bridge and Jason Marshall, our colleagues from Think Make Innovate. Welcome, guys. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Thanks for coming on. We're going to um, kind of talk a little bit about the Grantwood Makerspace today and your um, amazing Think Make Innovate YouTube show. But for our listeners who don't know what that is, can you tell us what is the Think Make Innovate YouTube show? All right. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on here. We're excited to be here. Should, should we tell them congratulations on? I think we should. Yeah. 25 episodes, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Thanks Thanks for waiting 25 episodes to have us on, too. That's right. <laughs> well, you've both been on this show before. <laughs> I have? I don't Yeah, you I? were on our Iowa one-to-one one. That's Remember we all right. sat in the room for That's that? Right. But we asked everybody, so. I know, yeah. I didn't feel super special on that one. Yeah. yeah. Jason, you're actually on our list for an Erasmus special because... <laughs> Oh. You keep saying you could do like a whole day on Erasmus. Maybe like a whole series. A kind of mini series. All about Erasmus tips and tricks. Yes. Uh, uh, it's go. it's Jason's favorite. It is Jason's favorite. Oh yeah. boy. Sorry, Amber. That's all right. No, it's it, it is a special day. I wish we had a quarter to give them to celebrate their silver anniversary here. I, I had one. I used it at Aldi's with the shopping cart. Oh, did you pass it on your cart to somebody I else did. then? Okay. I did, but I couldn't I couldn't get the little chain out, so I just left it. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Think, make, innovate. Think, make, innovate is our YouTube makerspace challenge show. So what we do is we release one episode a month during the school year uh, that profiles a simple makerspace challenge that schools can do uh, within their own classroom or within their whole school. Um, we have we started off with Jason and I just being goofy and giving out some makerspace challenges and we t- decided that you know it would probably be better to see kids making than uh things that adults could make in this environment since we're trying to inspire some students so we just started started to team up with teachers and school districts to go in and actually film students in the making process watching them plan out what it is they wanted to create get st- footage of them in the making process and then how they would innovate or change their projects now that they had it finished uh, to keep continuing to think about creativity and how they can push themselves. So why did you come up with a YouTube show? Like why not just like a blog post or an email to a mailing list or something like that? So why the YouTube show? Well, Mindy, it was it was the wild and crazy times back in the 2014-2015 school year uh, when Amber, Beth, and I were hired at Grantwood, and there was a lot of turnover in the team. We had Jonathan and Gina were the two returning, but three new people, and we all got assignments, and Amber and I got assigned uh, coding together, and then we also... I, we, we couldn't quite remember if we kicked it around to Stacy or she just said, hey, hey, check out Makerspaces. Yeah, I think she said, go learn about Makerspaces. Yeah, it wasn't anything we they actually had prior to us getting here. So all we had to start with was some um, some robots for coding. And, uh, just kind of some stuff that was hanging out around the yeah. office. So we, we bought a few up more things and came up with some ideas. And then 
Uh, I remember sitting in the office one day. Jonathan and I used to share an office, and uh, mm-hmm. now we don't. I'm guessing he complained. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was an uh, HR thing. HR yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of many HR complaints, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so uh, Amber came in for something, and uh, and I, I thought about this YouTube show. And really, I was thinking of like you know home improvement shows and stuff. And I thought, hey, we could do a YouTube show on this. And Pitched it to her and she's like, "Yes, yes, great idea. Let's do it." And Were so, you watching a lot of HGTV at the time? Yeah, for sure. I watched. Uh, I was probably at that time watching a lot of Property Brothers. Um, I don't know what else I would have been watching. And now I like the one with the people in Texas. Oh, Fixer Upper. Well, it's a good one. Upper, it's a good one. Yeah, I like Chip that. Chip and Joanna. Yeah. Oh, and there's another one, a new one out there. Where <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, but they like buy these homes and they put them on a truck and they oh. move them. Flip really? and move. Yeah. 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 That's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. That, yeah, I've seen that, that one. That kind of takes me back. That kind of reminds me of something that, you know, I would, those those people I relate to. So I'm kind of, that seems like something I'd be used to there, how they're, that they seem fun. So I think yeah. the initial conversation <laughs> did tap into something like, yes, uh, you will be Regis Philman and I will be Kelly Ripa. I think Aww. we talked about that a little bit. Uh huh. You trying to say I was old or what? I don't uh, know. I just remember it was, we were doing a talk show, you know, yeah, right. guy like, girl talk show. I think I would have rather been Michael Strahan, but I guess uh-huh. I could be Regis Philman. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I know we, we came up with a bunch of plans. Um, I'm sure Amber could like dig into the Google Drive and see what we have from uh, when we came up with things. But one thing you'll find that is pretty consistent is I will pitch some idea and I'll say, Amber, this is going to work. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be easy. And Amber's like, no, this is going to be way harder than you think. And guess who's always right? Amber. Yep. You're right. Amber's always right. <laughs> so I'm so glad we have that on recording. She, she doesn't have to say it anymore. I just, I get the look and I understand. So, so I know you guys go into um, different schools all the time, but what are some of your coolest episodes that you think or something that uh, was the most fun for you to film? it's super hard to like determine a favorite or anything like that but it's it's just always cool to see what all of the kids make and it's even more exciting to me when the show gets some traction and other people will send back video or footage from different places in the state or even in the country that we add to our online maker community to kind of see how they were inspired and go in different ways and there are definitely certain ones that get people more excited and feel like they can do it more than other ones. Right, Jason? Yeah, for, for sure. And I would say that's with the show and just maker projects. And it's like going to a movie. You know, you get excited about this movie. You think it's going to be great. And then you go watch it sometimes. You're like, ah, it's okay. And then sometimes you're like, man, I really don't want to watch this movie. And then you go watch it and you're, you're super jacked about it. And that would, that's how I'd say some of the projects are sometimes. They're always good, but some really surprise you. And you're like, wow, that was a really good one. I, you know, I, did, I didn't think it was going to be that way when we came in. Um, I'm thinking of one that you did at Solon where they did the uh, the the fairy tale yeah green the screen fairy, tale, fairy tale green screen special effects I mean you kind of told me about it I was just kind of like, eh, yeah okay I, I just wasn't super excited about it. but then I watched it I was like wow this is really good I was really impressed with what the kids came up with and yeah it was really good so um, I think personally I like the ones I mean I like them all but the ones where you have you know the the younger kids because they're always no matter what the project is. You know they're super excited about it, so that's that's always a good one. And I, what do you, what do you think our most like watched or feedback people send stuff back would be? Do you do you know? So that would be two completely different ones. The one that we get the most feedback from was definitely one that we did season one. It was actually the one we filmed first but didn't release first, and that was our Rube Goldberg episode. Um, it seems that people love Rube Goldbergs, and it's easy to do. You don't have to have a lot of supplies or any technology to be able to make it work. Uh, we've gotten a lot of submissions with Rube Goldberg back, and it's always fun to see how excited they are when it works. 
It's probably because Wiley was in that one, I think. It might be. I did have a. I have several cameos, actually. He does. He does. Yeah, I've been in two or three of these shows now. Um, but the Rube Goldberg one was fun. Yeah. That was really good when we had Jonathan and we got to shoot paper wads at him in our cardboard catapult. That was his best work. I think it was. He does some good silent acting. He does. Uh Yeah. It's kind of like a character actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just had to stand there at my desk while they had a cardboard catapult throwing paper balls at me. Yeah. uh, Sounds like my dream. (laughs) 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 I think uh, that our most watched episode actually was our Sphero Maze episode. And I'm not sure if that was because we're using Sphero robots and maybe schools have that going on and they think that that's an easy one to try out. But I think that that's our one that has the most views right now. You know, one thing we try to do, and it probably goes with popularity, is, you know, you're saying Rube Goldberg. Is that's an easy one kind of everybody can do, no matter what you have at your school. Um, I know there's there's a teacher that sometimes, that, that I know, that sends stuff in, and, and sometimes I always will send something out in a tweet or something to him and say, hey, you know, there's a new episode, and he'll reply back, well, I don't think we can do this one because we don't have Spheros, or we don't have this. But, you know, cardboard stuff, Rube Goldberg, kind of anybody can do those. So Absolutely. It's just super fun to see where creative where creativity can take any of the kids i mean even in the episode that's released this month with wearable cardboard it was cool to see how students can transform a box into something they could actually wear which was much yeah. better than the outfits that we designed <laughs> yeah and that was like one of your biggest challenges today wasn't it because you were like three or four was it four schools three different buildings three different buildings in one school district in yep. one school district yeah but so multiple that was... different grade levels spanning from k through sixth grade which shows how flexible the makerspace is, too. I think, you know, that you can have one challenge and do it across grade levels with all kinds of different buildings, different environments, and kids are still able to participate in it. So Absolutely. And we try to, and I don't know if teachers always realize it, but hopefully, you know, they can just take the, uh, the video and have their students watch it to be inspired by it. But we also release a lesson plan that goes along with it. And if you were to check out the lesson plan, you can see in there that there are extension ideas to try to bring an idea up or bring an idea down to try to fit all those grade levels. That's great. So um, working with so many teachers, um, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you feel teachers might have about makerspaces? Uh, there's there's lots of them. Um, I'll, I'll throw out one in Amber and add on here but the first one is it's just the word space is uh, a lot of times uh, they think they have a they have to have a room they have to have a space to put all this in and, and i get the storage part but you know it can be mobile it can be storage you break out into your room i mean there, there's lots of ideas that you, you could have there but that's one thing that i hear a lot is where are we going to put this so it doesn't have to be a specific room that we all go to and we do maker spaces and, yeah yeah for yeah. sure you could do it anywhere i mean think about when we do stuff here you know we do have it stored in our maker space but a lot of times we'll go to a conference room or, or what have you and, and do it just because it's a better space you know you could do it in your cafeteria you could do it in your media center you do it on the floor of any room push the desk back exactly if you look through some of our episodes you can see where making happens sometimes it happens in the gym because they want more space sometimes if they are lucky enough to have a maker space in their school they can do it there or just in the classrooms for sure I kind of like it when it's in a classroom because maybe that leads to the classroom teacher doing some of the makerspace stuff. And it's not it's not like an event. You know, it's more of it's something we do in our in our, in our classroom. So. Exactly. Because making can connect back to curriculum a lot of the times. What other uh, what other things you heard, Amber? Uh, sure. So I think that there's a lot of fear about how much time a maker project can take. And, you know, 
it can take a lot of time, I'm going to be honest, but you can also, as a teacher, put a time timer stain on it. Making can happen in 20, 20 minutes a day and maybe pick up the project the next day if they need a little bit more time. It's just fun to see how they can get excited about it to see where they go. Like Jason said, sometimes you might get really excited or maybe you'll kind of say, hey, this didn't quite go the way I wanted to. Maybe you need a break after 20 minutes. And depending on the age level of your students, that could be really uh, an important thing to think about when you think about the time for making within there. Um, you know, also the idea that makerspaces are a fad. Um, I think that's something that kind of scares some teachers to think, why would I start to invest in this? But really what you're investing in is creativity. And I don't think that creativity can ever be a fad. But it's kind of symptomatic of the way education is right now. There always seems to be, hey, this is the new thing. And hey, we're going to try this. And so often we see we try new things and then they just disappear somewhere off on the radar. And so it's trying to reassure people that this is a genuine thing that is here to stay. And it's kind of been, we've had this conversation before, but it's something that's been around for a long time. It's just got a new name in some ways that it's uh, recreating a lot of that spirit of making and creating when we were younger and days gone by. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that, that I hear a lot that teachers are struggling with students being creative, that there's starting to be a creativity deficit going on and they don't have certain skills. And unless you have supportive parents that are trying things and having their kids work to create, then they might not come to school with those ideas. And School should support those. And I've seen so many things about one of the most important job skills that are going to be coming out in the future is creativity. It's going to keep moving up there. And if we're not giving our students the opportunity to practice that, what are what are we doing for them? Yeah, one of the things I used to hear when, when we started doing the makerspaces was people would say, yeah, this stuff is all great, but... I think you mentioned it. It's like, how do I tie that back to my curriculum? And people sometimes struggle to think that there are ways to to make that tie in there. And we were all at a school uh, recently for a, a maker day. And I th- I was team teaching a bit with the teacher. And I thought it was really great that the teacher was pulling out all these different things. It was like, remember when we did this in science? And how, how does that relate to what you're doing right now? And remember in math, we were doing this with measuring. How does that relate to what? And she was pulling those connections in and making those connections real for the kids so that it was a more authentic learning experience for them. I think it teaches some soft skills that, that we don't teach. Um, you know, if you have them doing a math lesson, uh, you know, I think of my daughter coming home and she has a workbook. So they do a workbook, you know, that's, and, and, and that's, that's great. You know, they do that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but, you know, basically she wants to know, did I do this right? Is this the right answer? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and she's not really concerned about if she understands any of it or what the final product is. It's just, she's got to get this workbook done. So I think by having her do projects and stuff, she likes to do crafts, um, you know, and we see that when we, your, our own kids or when we go out and work with kids is uh, that growth mindset, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit grit. They have to fight through things a little bit, you know, things don't always work. Um, things don't always work, Jason. They pretty much never work. Right. <laughs> um, but, but I, you know, I don't see a lot of kids getting frustrated and, and just throwing it down and quitting. I think, I think they want to be challenged with that type of thing and they want to be, um, they want to find solutions. I think kids, kids I think need they crave that. It. I think, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Think they you're need right. to have those opportunities because we talk about them in regular situations giving up, right? And so if you can provide kind of those supports to allow them to test that out, that critical thinking skills, that hopefully will bleed over into these other areas as well. Yeah, and part of that process of 
when they're making about having to readjust halfway through, like when they make their plan and they think, okay, I'm going to do this. And then they start doing it and they're like, yeah, this isn't quite going to work out the way I thought it was. So <laughs> having to readjust is part of that, you know, critical thinking and learning on the go and pushing through with the, the grit and stuff you're talking about. Yeah, I think sometimes it's tough for teachers. It's It's been a long time since I've been in the classroom. So, I mean, you know, I know things have changed, but, you know, all my evaluations ever got, they were always along the lines of good wait time, classes, well-controlled, you know, all those kind of things. And the things we do in Makerspace, as you talked about, do not fit those type of things. And so I, I would think of a maybe a teacher that came about when, when I taught, that that would, that would be tough for them because, you know, those those are the things that we were taught to do is, is you know, these controlled classrooms and stuff like that and just kind of giving the kids free reign to, um, you know, experiment around and, it's different. I think it's a good point because sometimes when we've gone into some schools, we've seen the makerspace idea push up against their own teacher comfort zones. And I think it's important for them to see, too, that sometimes a makerspace environment isn't running around and craziness. But when students are truly engaged in a making process, they're actually kind of quiet and kind of focused and working with other students and collaborating and trying to learn from different things that other students are trying out as well. It's really about that cross between creativity and collaboration altogether. Think think about when we went to Mid Prairie and we had that kindergarten group to end the day, and uh, those kids were they were on t- they were focused, super focused at the end of the day, and I yes. think it was a Friday. I yeah, want to say, well, yeah, so. I think you're right, yeah. But it was laser like focus with kindergartners, and I have never taught kindergarten, but I can imagine that's hard. <laughs> I I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one other thing I'll pitch out, and I'm sure we need to jump to something else, but, you know, Jonathan, you kind of mentioned, you know, these are things we used to do is, you know, think of your CTE classes. I, I don't know what you guys did in high school, but, you know, I took home ec in eighth grade. I think I even took it in high school. I took uh, an auto shop class. I took a wood shop class. You know, they had welding. They took all these type of things. And that was just kind of expected that you, you would you would fit those into your schedule and that you, you took those. Um, I mean, I think every kid in my, my class took those type of classes and I don't know if that's the same anymore. I know some, 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 uh, schools can't offer them. I, I heard the other day that in the state of Iowa, there's only three graduates with industrial tech degrees. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. I think you and I is the only school to offer, actually offers a program. So, um, so anyway, I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I did hear that. But, uh, um, yeah, so, so some of that is, is not really new. It's stuff we've been doing. So. So if this all sounds fine and dandy for a teacher and they're like, okay, well, I, I'm really interested in getting something like this started, what advice would you offer for someone who's like, okay, let's, let's do this? Where would I start? So it, I think it depends on where you're kind of at. If you're a lone teacher and you just want to try something out, try a project out that isn't going to have a one answer end result. You know, have it be open-ended watch a think make innovate have your students try that out um, because there's a lot of supports in there to help you out if you think you're actually going to be able to work within your school to create a space or even making a space within your classroom there's a fantastic article that we have on our makerspace page on our website that talks about considerations to think about before starting your makerspace and almost always whenever i'm talking with educators they usually want to talk about the tools and the stuff that they need. But the last thing that you should think about is the tools and the stuff that you need. The first part is really what are the skills that you want your students to be practicing? Um, And what are your hopes and dreams for the space? That should be up number one to help you define the culture and the respect that you're going to offer for your students in the creation process uh, 
and the respect that you're going to give them by allowing them to have a lot of student choice going forward. Yeah, and that's a big culture change for some buildings too, you know. And like we said, you know, there's um, definitely some pushback um, for how we were raised as teachers, you know, and how um, some of the expectations of that. So it could be you might be a lone teacher, but if you're trying to get other people on board, it might be a little bit of a sell. So, yeah, it's a definite mind shift. It's good. I think uh, Amber, I've heard her talk before. She does a nice job of talking about finding a makerspace that fits you and fits your building. Um, and, and an example of that might be, you know, maybe you've already got a lot of coding going on in your building and doing some robots and stuff. So maybe you kind of focus your makerspace around that. Or maybe maybe you're, you're in a building where it's going to be tough to get resources. So maybe it's stuff you can get for free, cardboard, donated Legos, that type of stuff. And that's kind of the direction you go with your makerspace. Um, I think sometimes we have staffs come in, which is great, which is what we want to check out what we have, you know, and we, we usually try to have one or two of everything so you can see it, but you know, we don't have a lot of them, but uh, they may think, well, I need one of these, one of these, one of these, not necessarily the case. Yeah. Yeah. That magic list isn't going to work for every single makerspace. We try to buy things that we think have a lot of application Uh, for a lot of different grade levels and a lot of different situations. But as Jason said, you know, a makerspace is unique to the community that it is a part of because there might be special talents that your staff has that you can tap into that to help build those skill sets uh, that another school might not have. And that's totally fine. A makerspace is what you make of it. Um, It's just really all about building community and showing that through creativity. So I think we're seeing a lot of um, people starting to think about using makerspaces in their in their libraries and media centers now too. I think that's kind of a natural fit for some of these places if you don't have a space and maybe thinking about getting started if you can get your teacher librarian on board and involved. And There are so many rock star teacher librarians that are taking up the maker charge and yeah. I've been awed by some of the things that they've done. Yeah, great. So maybe good advice would be help. Maybe partner with your teacher librarian and talk to them and see if you can get them on board and give them some ideas on how they can support you with that. Well, we'd be remiss if we did not mention that at least once, not several times, that we have a Makerspace conference coming this summer. It's the week of June the 26th. Um, it's a two-day conference, the 26th and 27th, followed by three days of workshops um, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which encompasses what we're calling the week of making. Um, we're going to have, um, I, I think it's going to be a lot of good sessions. Um, we've got some different so product type stuff, some stuff on how to start makerspaces, some things on, you know, what you do in the makerspace and some different grade levels as well. Um, yeah, I think if you think about it, spending the whole week in professional development in the late beginning summer, right, <laughs> may be a hard decision to make. But there's two opportunities or two choices here to kind of help support you in where you want to go. Sign up for the conference and get the opportunity to choose lots of different sessions um, to be able to expand your own maker knowledge, um, especially if you're new to makerspaces or if you just want to join in on the conversation. I think a lot of the sessions are going to be creative and hands-on and allowing you to really contribute back, uh, which is what the, that whole maker community is all about. And then those hands-on sessions, you know, just, hey, maybe I just want to really dive deeper into one of these topics. I know my school has a 3D printer. This is your opportunity to spend a half day learning more about 3D printing and how you can make this work within your school. And we have a special guest coming as well. Is that something we can reveal on the podcast or not? 
People know I'm going to be there, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Oh, you weren't talking do you, about me. Do you, mean our, do you mean our special keynote? Is that what you mean? I was talking about our special keynote. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jason. Yes, yeah. you're right. Jason right. and I are doing a keynote. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, we have uh, one of my favorite people to follow and learn more about making, uh, Chrissy Van Osdale, uh, coming to give a keynote. And she is absolutely fantastic. I would follow her on Instagram if you are not already, and Twitter. Uh, she really does uh, creates a lot of cool graphic designs that push your maker thinking and your push your thinking about creativity. She does a fantastic job uh, in Texas, and I'm thrilled that she is coming. So as long as we're um, talking about Chrissy, is there anybody else that you would suggest we follow on Twitter or check out to learn more about their maker spaces or what they're doing with their maker space? Yes. There are tons of people out there. Um, locally, uh, we mentioned in our last episode that was released, uh, the Benton Community School District, right. uh, they have maker spaces in three of their elementary schools. And so uh, Anna Upa uh, is an amazing person to follow. Uh, Chelsea Sims, Iowa Chelsea City, Sims Southeast. Is, oh my gosh, you absolutely have Chelsea to follow her on Instagam. Do you know she's doing the Battle, Sphero Battlebots right now? Oh really? And she's got the she just shared out on Instagram a uh, uh, bracket challenge that the kids oh, have set cool. up to go forward. It's amazing. Alyssa Calhoun at Prairie. Alyssa Calhoun. Oh, gosh, um, yeah, we're gonna miss somebody, and then we're gonna feel bad. Our, fr- our friend Andrew Fencemaker. Yes. Oh yeah, Andrew. Andrew, Andrew yeah, for is sure. Um, and these are just local folks. Right. There's also you know. Uh, Sam Patterson does some amazing things with uh, robotics and puppets online um, that's really interesting to follow. It sounds interesting to follow. It's interesting to follow. <laughs> you have to look I'm, that one up. You should. He does take apart toys and then animates them. It's really cool. Cool. All right. So sounds like lots of interesting things there. We'll put links to all these people and maybe some more people that we can uh, rustle up in the show notes. All right, so on to my favorite part of the show. Up next is Tech Nuggets. I'll go first on this one, if that's all right, because I found something that maybe Amber and Jason already have seen this, but I happened to come across it, I think, on Laura Fleming's website, and it's called the Hue Animation, and it is um, a stop-motion uh, camera kit that works on Mac and PC. And I think sometimes when we've looked at stop-motion before in the past, um, a lot of what we do is usually iPad based and that's great. It's a great machine for that and I love using it on the iPad. But for those schools that don't have iPads, what is the alternative? So this might be a good, um, use. It looks a bit like a document camera, but it's got one of those flexible goosenecks on it that you can move and twist around. Um, and it comes with an activity book and, uh, the, all the software you need to do that. So. Won lots of awards. We'll link to it on the uh, on the page here, and there's a there's a video we can put in the show notes too. So the Hue Animation Studio, and it's less than a hundred dollars. I can't remember how much, but I want to say it's like seventy dollars or something like that. So maybe worth a look. I have I've seen that Prairie uh, Prairie has one. It is uh, it Prairie Point. Whichever school know. this is at, it's I always the, forget which school is which. Yeah, is it the one that she's at though, or is it? It's the one we went for that maker. It's the maker at the middle there, school yeah. level, whichever yeah. Prairie Point. I'm I think sure. it's Prairie. I'm going to say Prairie Point, but we could be totally off. So what they think of it? I think they like it. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know that they had any iPads in there, if I'm trying to remember. I, I think they didn't, so they had a desktop. And so, you know, worked well with there, which a lot of our schools have iPads, so the simple solution is always say that, but we do run into some that don't, so that's, that's yeah. And, yeah, they say, like, it looks slick. And you're right, it looks like a document camera. It, yeah, because I was, I was kind of curious on what it was, but. All right, who else has got a tech nugget maker edition? Uh, I kind of do, actually, that I just stumbled across moments ago hot off the press thanks for being so focused on this podcast that you're searching for nuggets well it wasn't a search but i've stumbled across it and super excited about it so uh my background is in science education and you know hold a special place in my heart for Mythbusters. and right now adam savage is doing a makerspace tour and is throwing up videos this entire month of april and i'm starting to throw them into a playlist which mm. i'll share with you guys uh he's gone to the children's Museum of Pittsburgh, Travis Early College High School, The Thinkery, Carnegie Mellon, Ideate Lab. I'm super excited to watch these. They're, you know, anywhere from six to 15 minutes long videos on YouTube. So I'm throwing them together in a playlist. I'll share them with you. Oh, that's very cool. You guys could do an episode on Mythbusters. Have you done one? A Mythbuster episode? We haven't, no. Be kind of fun, huh? Just kind of Amber telling me I'm wrong about things. <laughs> we don't usually Busted. record that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, so um, my tech nugget is actually probably one I know you guys have heard of, but one that we don't own here at the agency, and that's Snap Circuits. And the reason I like Snap Circuits is my son actually got some from Santa for Christmas this year. And um, what's interesting, I think, about it, especially for like a first grader, is that I don't think he had any knowledge of circuits at all to even begin with. And so um, it has like a playbook kind of for you to kind of go through and create different things. And um, interestingly enough, I think he's taken what he's learned from Snap Circuits and took apart a remote control helicopter and now has motorized Legos using what he's learned from these circuits. And I don't, I don't really understand. cool and also dangerous. Wait until he gets to the vacuum. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) He doesn't know where the vacuum is. Either do I. Um, (laughs) I've heard your husband mention that. Yes. It's true. It's true. Um, So, yeah, I I think it's a great introductory way to kind of start some um, building of knowledge with circuits and then to kind of see different things that he's able to create just kind of building um, with those snap circuits. And I think they're super cheap. I think uh, we... It was bought for um, like forty bucks for like a pretty big case of them. So we've seen them a lot in schools. Yeah. So yeah. and they snap in. That's what's nice about it is they like actually snap. Where little bits, although I think is great, is magnetic. Where these like they're very sturdy and stable. Oh, and then this other thing on the snap circuits is when Amber and I went to the makerspace in Des Moines at the Science Center, they kind of made their own snap oh, circuits. They did um, by tearing apart different things and. Them together. They're pretty, it was a cross between like snap circuits and little bits because yeah. they were magnetic, not yeah. snapping. They were magnetic, hmm. but they were sturdier magnets than the little bits. Yeah. And they kind of had some of them bolted down to the table in certain areas. So some of the stuff moved, some of it didn't, but it's pretty slick. It'd be a great neat. place to go check out is yeah. the Des Moines sure. Science Center. Um, they have a, a makerspace in there. So so mine was, uh, and it's, it's more of a website, it's just SparkFun. If you're not familiar with SparkFun. Uh, you can buy a lot of makerspace products there. And so I've kind of been on this, uh, and I don't know why, kick with wearables. So we did have an episode this year with the Iowa City Homeschool Assistance Program where they did some wearable bags. I'm working on a project right now with Vin Shellsburg where they're doing some wearables. Um, I think I think all the students are making lanyards. Uh, so, But they want a prototype, so I got some stuff so I can make a prototype, and I'm making like a cuff for my daughter. I think why I like it is it takes kind of some old-school 
um, making, you know, the sewing, that type of stuff, which is, is something that's been around obviously forever. And then it's got a little, it can have some coating with it. If you're using one of the Arduinos, it can go with it. Um, and some circuitry. So I, I like how it kind of ties new and old together. And you were so proud when you brought that in yesterday. You impressed with my stitching. I right was, now. I was. I, I was, was impressed really, with that I stitching as well. Yeah. I'm just kind of wondering why I got a B plus in eighth grade home ec. I don't know. <laughs> it's good. All right. I like it. So um, last of the day, we have Jonathan's podcast, Catch of the Day, Maker Edition. I know. I thought we'd keep with the theme today. Um, I'll keep these brief. And as as normal, one is a kind of education-based one and one is less of an education-based one. But I have listened to a few episodes of Movers and Makers, which is a podcast done by Laura Fleming and Travis Lape. And it's on the BAM Radio Network, and none of the episodes are longer than about maybe 10 or 15 minutes, but they just dive into like one specific aspect of uh, maker culture, or they interview somebody who has some kind of specialty that working in the maker area for uh, education. So those two are um, probably a couple of people worth following, definitely, for um, maker education, but uh, the podcast is called Movers and Makers. The other one is a little more general, but it's called MakerCast, the podcast for makers. And uh, their pitch is it's passionate people from the world of manufacturing, CNC machining, welding, fabricating, 3D printing, STEM education, robotics, and yes, probably sewing as well, Jason. Um, So lots of different areas. They have a different guest on each week and uh, they talk to people about what they do. So some of it's education-based, some of it's not education-based, but if you just like that maker culture and that maker environment, then this is a good one to listen to. Interesting. I've seen that maker cast. I feel like um, that's on YouTube as well. Is that right? It could be. I don't I know for I've sure. I've come across that before, but on YouTube, but I could be wrong too. So... All right. Well, thanks for coming in today, you guys. This is super fun. It's fun to have a couple other people to talk to. Make fun of Wiley a little bit. (laughs) Jason Marshall. Make fun of Jason, too. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) So I think that's about all we have uh, time for this episode. Again, yes, thank you to Jason and Amber. Until next time. Have fun making. making. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast. We have all sat around a table together to do a crossover episode with Amber Bridge and Jason Martian. We should just start calling you that. Jason Martian. Jason Martian. Mr. Martian. Thanks, Wiley. Thanks for for being here today, Mr. Martian. Is this...